been doing the newsletter for a few months. My apologies to that. Uh, and in uh, lieu of the newsletter, I thought what might be helpful is, uh, I did this for Advent, but I just put one copy on the bulletin board. So this, uh, for uh, Christmas time into Epiphany, um, we'll be having, uh, I'm going to hand out the collects, so the prayers, and the proper scripture readings for the next Five, five weeks, next five Sundays, um, so that you can, we can have like a, a shared prayer life and the scripture readings. <laughs> you know, if, if you don't have a habit well formed in your household, this gives you something to start with. Um, or if you just like to have a, you know, richer selection of prayers, uh, this is also helpful for that as well. So I've got a copy for everyone, so I'll hand those out uh, before we begin service. Anything else that we should know about this week? Trustees meeting on Thursday, three thirty. It's 
the Kyrie, Lord have mercy upon us, Christ have mercy upon us, Lord have mercy upon us. We'll all sing it together, and Andrew will play uh, our part before we sing it, so we'll be able to hear that first. Um, and so that's just a change to keep an eye on. I have here noted an entrance in our song. We won't have that today, but down the road that'll be our preparation for the service is after announcements. I'll leave the sanctuary and we'll come back in with us singing a, a hymn or a song together. Um, aside from that, I think uh, everything else. Oh, and then we're also going to be presenting the Nicene Creed now, which is the Apostles' Creed, but with clearer language about the divinity and humanity of Jesus. So, especially in light of having gone through Advent and the Incarnation, it's really helpful. This is the Nicene Creed is what the church is usually just referred to as the Creed of the church. So this is the, the summary of the faith that's been once delivered for the apostles. And so we're going to have that before the sermon. It's like your guardrails as you're hearing the word. It's like, am I preaching this kind of orthodox Christianity or am I straying? Right? So it's like the congregation itself confessing what I need to be teaching. All right, so let's that bill. The refrigerator is fixed. So for the potluck supper, if anybody Great. needs a fridge, it would be yourself. Praise God. All right. Good. All right. Wonderful. We'll take a moment and uh, prepare ourselves for worship. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom those secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of thy Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love thee and worthily magnify thy holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what our Lord Jesus Christ saith: Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Christ Jesus our Lord. 
and grant the most merciful Father for his sake that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn to him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. As a minister of the triune God, I declare to you that your sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ. Believe that and have peace with God. As many as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Alleluia. Let's stand and sing Psalm 110. And uh, it's a short psalm, so we'll do a call and response throughout the psalm. So I'll sing verse 1, and then we'll sing it together. I'll, or line 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit down on my right hand, and then we'll sing it together. Next line, I'll sing it, and we'll sing it together. <clears throat> the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. Until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand. Until I make thine enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy power out of Zion. Be thou ruler even in the midst among thy enemies. The Lord shall send the rod of thy power out of Zion. Be thou ruler even in the midst among thine enemies. In the day of thy power shall the people offer the freewill offerings with a holy worship. The dew of thy birth is of the womb of the morning. In the day of thy power shall the people offer thee free will offerings with a holy worship. The dew of thy birth is of the womb of the not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord upon thy right hand shall wound even kings in the day of his wrath. The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord upon thy right hand shall wound even kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the heathen. 
He shall fill the places with the dead bodies and smite and sunder the heads over divers countries. He shall judge among the heathen. He shall fill the places with the dead bodies and smite and sunder the heads over divers countries. He shall drink of the brook in the way, therefore shall he lift up his head. He shall drink of the brook in the way, therefore shall he lift up his head. All together. Glory be to the Father, to the Son and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Almighty God, who's given us thine only begotten Son to take our nature upon him, and as at this time be born of a pure virgin, grant that we, being regenerate and made thy children by adoption and grace, may be daily renewed by thy Holy Spirit, through the same our Lord Jesus Christ, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the same Spirit ever, one God, world without end. Amen. The reading for the first Sunday after Christmas in the Old Testament comes from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 63. Isaiah chapter 63, verse 7 through 16. Isaiah chapter 63, verse 7 through 16. Hear the word of the Lord. I will make known the Lord's faithful love and the Lord's praiseworthy acts because of all the Lord has done for us, even the many good things he has done for the house of Israel, which he did for them based on his compassion and the abundance of his faithful love. He said... They are indeed my people, children who are not disloyal, and he became their savior. In all their suffering he suffered, and the angel of his presence saved them. He redeemed them because of his love and compassion. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of the past, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he became their enemy and fought against them. Then he remembered the days of the past, the days of Moses and his people. Where is he who brought them out of the sea with the shepherds of his flock? Where is he who put his Holy Spirit among the flock? He made his glorious strength available to the right hand of Moses, divided the water before them to make an eternal name for himself, and led them through the depths like a horse in the wilderness, so that they did not stumble. Like cattle that go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. You led your people this way, to make a glorious name for yourself. Look down from heaven and see, from your lofty home, holy and beautiful, where is your zeal and your might? Your your yearning and your compassion are withheld from me. Yet you are our father, even though Abraham does not know us and Israel doesn't recognize us. You, Lord, are our father. Your name is our redeemer from ancient times. The word of the Lord. Our epistle reading for the first Sunday after Christmas 
comes from Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 17. Sorry, this should be 1 through 7. Now I say that as long as the heir is a child, he differs in no way from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. Instead, he is under guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were in slavery under the elements of the world. When the time came to, com- to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. The word of the Lord. Let's stand and sing hymn number 214, Angels We Have Heard on High. Number 214.
seated. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. St. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. St. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because that has been con- that what has been conceived is in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth unto a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Let's stand and confess. Scriptures have taught us to believe in the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day lie rose again according to the Scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets, and believe in one Catholic and apostolic church, acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and look for the resurrection of the dead and the life in the world to come. Amen. You may be seated. Our sermons from Matthew 1, 18-25. Uh, trust Trust is built through habit. If we have a trustworthy mechanic, it's because time and again his work has been effective, he's correctly diagnosed problems, and he's not overcharged us for it. When a big repair is then called for, we don't give him the side eye. Rather, we can confidently entrust our car to him. Similarly, Joseph appears to have a conscience that is in the habit of trusting the Lord. Joseph is a righteous man because of his trust in the Lord, not because he has uh, performed some extraordinary acts of virtue preceding this. Joseph is a righteous man that hears and does 
the word of God. This is fundamentally what faith is. Faith is shaped by hearing and doing the word of the Lord. He's a man who's at peace with God. And his trust in the Lord is what enables him to make drastic decisions within a short frame of time. He can confidently keep Mary as his wife, knowing that she is truly a virgin, even though by all accounts, by all empirical evidence, he knows he hasn't slept with her and she's yet pregnant. He can trust that the child that Mary has is conceived of the Holy Spirit and not by some brigand in Bethlehem. He can trust because faith has put him in harmony with the Holy Spirit. So what faith will do for us, it will put us in harmony with the Holy Spirit. And Joseph embodies the fruit of the Spirit. Because of this harmony, the fruits of the Spirit are present in Joseph. Patience, gentleness, and peace are especially on display in this passage. These are not virtues that Joseph acquires by his own strength. He hasn't studied the Greek philosophers and come to know that this is the most effective way to live your life. Joseph clearly is a man that is after God's heart. He is a faithful man. And his faith in Yahweh has granted him this wisdom. This wisdom to discern the truth of God's word. To receive something by faith. And he is delighted in God's law. And he is well watered and fruitful. This is first seen in how Joseph responds to Mary being pregnant. He has every natural reason to believe that she's been unfaithful. Every child from the history of the creation of the world until now, every baby was born because a husband and a wife laid together, or at the very least, a man and a woman laid together. And Joseph knows he hasn't lain with her. Even though Joseph perceives sin, right? She has not sinned, but there's a perception of sin. By all accounts, until, until divine revelation intercedes, his understanding is Mary has sinned against him in a grievous way, in a way that she should be deserved to be stoned. She should be dragged out in public and killed by people throwing rocks at her if she has sinned in the way he perceives she has. And even though Joseph perceives sin, he is not rash or vindictive. He is willing to put Mary away quietly and preserve her honor. He does not desire to shame the sinner, even though he has every right to shame her, even though in his mind she's done a shameful thing. In this way, Joseph embodies the relationship of mercy and justice. He will not bond himself to an unfaithful woman because he is a just man, but he will also not dishonor this woman because he is a merciful man. He will not dehumanize her. In Joseph, we see the heart of the Heavenly Father. The reason Joseph behaves like this, again, is not because Joseph is some supernaturally amazing human being, is that he's in harmony with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has granted him this, this grace. He's granted him the heart of the Heavenly Father. Our Father in Heaven could also not tolerate our sin and wickedness. He is holy. He's perfect. And he's perfectly just. And we are imperfect and bent and deceitful and wicked. We don't merely merely appear to be unfaithful. Mary actually wasn't unfaithful. She just had the appearance of it. We are unfaithful. We don't just appear unfaithful. We are unfaithful. And the wisdom of the Father thus surpasses the two options on the table, right? Option one is just lean all the way into justice and as soon as the first time we sin, just kill us. That's what we deserve. That's the wages of our sin. Justice would demand we die immediately. See the garden with Adam and Eve. 
We earned our death by sin. Therefore, God the Father should give us death. The second option would be to totalize the mercy of God at the expense of justice. Right? Maybe he could just turn the other, turn the other way. Look the other way. Don't, don't acknowledge what we've done. Just be like, hey, you know, everyone makes mistakes. Just try again next time. No big deal. But both responses would be an inadequate view of God's nature. His holiness is the fullness of not only justice and not only mercy, but of justice and mercy in perfect harmony. Thus, in mercy, he sends his son to take on our shame. Just as Mary must appear adulterous aside from those who trust in the word of God. So for the rest of Mary's life, unless they trust what God has said about her, they believe her to be an adulterer. They believe her to have given birth to an illegitimate son. And she has to carry that shame the rest of her life. And so does Jesus appear to be a criminal hanging from a tree. And those that don't trust that he is who he said he was, those that don't trust that he's resurrected from the dead for the rest of history, look at him as some fool that got stuck to a tree. And in this mercy, in this humility, the justice for sin is paid by the judge himself. The penalty is taken by the penalizer and death itself is defeated because death can't do that kind of math. And as we grow in union with Christ, these two impulses for justice and mercy will be harmonized. We'll learn to not become indignant when people sin against us. Inversely, we'll not let mercy be an excuse to let sin go unconfronted. These kinds of dynamics will show up regularly in things like church discipline, right? where, where congregations can lean heavy in one direction or the other. Right? In one direction, they're like, the minute you say something that we don't all agree with, you're in sin, and we're going to bring you up in front of everybody and tell everyone how much of a fool you are and kick you out of here. And the other way would be, look, we know that he's sleeping around with other women, but he's a nice guy. He's been doing, you know, he's given us a lot of money for the, for the bell and stuff like this. Let's just kind of sweep this thing under the rug, all right? Move on. Don't just look the other way. Those are, that's, the, that's the flesh trying to, trying to toggle between these desires, these, in, these inherent mechanisms that we know we're supposed to have. But if a brother has sinned against you, Perhaps they spoke harshly towards you. Maybe it's not even a grievous sin. Maybe they've just spoken harshly or they've told a lie about you. Your desire for reconciliation should not lead you to revenge, right? It shouldn't lead you to then telling somebody else some horrible thing about them, bad-mouthing them or spreading falsehoods or even true things that are painted in a bad light. The harmony of justice and mercy would lead you to, like Joseph, quietly go to them to preserve their honor, to try to prevent them being shamed if it's not necessary, and justly confront them. Not ignore the sin, but to try to address the sin in hopes of reconciliation coming. To have the integrity to be honest and say, you did this against me, you've sinned against me, I would like you to ask for forgiveness so that we could be made right. That's what love does. So love is the way in which justice and mercy are harmonized. Love given by the Holy Spirit will harmonize justice and mercy so we can make peace between one another. So we can, as Joseph would do, not desire the shame of the sinner, but desire the righteous uh, assessment of the sin. But thankfully, Mary has not sinned. 
And Joseph's conscience will soon be relieved by a visitation from an angel. Right? Joseph's conscience is seared because he knows it's unjust to bond yourself to an unfaithful woman. But he loves Mary and he wants to honor her. And yet, so, the, so he receives divine revelation that will alleviate his conscience. And Joseph's habit of humility not only prevents him from shaming Mary, it also inclines his ear to hear God's word. So he has not hardened his heart in the direction of like, can I get rid of this lady? I've been looking for a way out anyways. We can do this thing quietly off to the side, right? He's, he's, his humility means that he is willing to have his assessments, his perception of reality, governed by God's word first and foremost, not by his own mind, not by his own intellect. Right? If, if you think about Joseph as a musician, right, of his soul, he's practiced his scales, and now his ear can hear harmonies that would fit well with the melody of God's word. Just as a humble musician collaborates with the melody, so a humble man moves with the life of God. He moves with the wind of the spirit. The proud man is a soloist who does not desire to hear other parts. He's a one-man band. The proud man does not receive correction, does not seek wisdom. The proud man thinks he is the smartest man in the room. And if you're wondering if that's true or not, you just have to ask him. That's a proud man. But Joseph is not proud. And this is why he is addressed as a son of David, Joseph's son of David. But that doesn't need to be inserted. The angel doesn't need to address him as Joseph's son of David. We just got a genealogy earlier in Matthew 1. So we know he's a son of David. So why is the angel calling him son of David? Joseph is addressed this way because, like David, he has a heart after God. Like David, Joseph makes prudent and kingly decisions. Joseph is going to have to raise the king of the universe. So he better have some wisdom. David demonstrates his humility even in the depths of his most grievous sins. So when David sins with Bathsheba... He's confronted by Nathan regarding him sleeping with Bathsheba and killing Uriah. And this sin will result in the child that's born to Bathsheba dying. And as soon as, so Nathan tells him the story about a rich man taking a sheep of a, of a poor man and killing him. And David's indignant about this. And as soon as Nathan says, you are the man, David is heartbroken, realizes his sin is fully formed in his mind now. He's, it's revealed to him how broken his sin is. And he immediately grieves his sin and repents to the Lord. This is a humble man. So even though he has sinned grievously, his heart is inclined to be shaped by the word of God, to be broken at God's word and God's judgments and assessments. In Joseph's case, we have an interesting reversal of David's sin as a sign of the unique glory of Jesus. So where David takes a wife that wasn't his, Joseph reveres Mary and desires to guard her honor even when she thinks she has sinned and been unfaithful to him. Where David seeks the death of Bathsheba's husband, Joseph will glorify the father of Mary's son, who is God himself. Where David's son dies on behalf of David's sin, Joseph's son will die for the life of the world. And this contrast in the old David with Joseph, the son of David, demonstrates the newness of humanity that will be found in Jesus. And we're told in Malachi that the hearts of the fathers will be returned to their sons. That the glory of the new covenant is that fathers and sons will be reconciled 
to themselves. This is first and foremost seen in the love of God the Father and God the Son, remaining in constant communion with one another, even in the face of death on the cross. Not my will be done, but thy will be done, the Son says to his Father. And the love of God the Father and the Son is being communicated to Joseph by the Holy Spirit so that Joseph can have his heart turned to his heavenly Father as a son of David. Joseph and Mary are able to participate in the life of God as nobody has been able to do before. Right? They're going to name this son Emmanuel, which means God with us. But it doesn't mean that God's just with us in Bethlehem or God with us in the temple. In the, in, sorry, in Mary's womb. Because of the incarnation, God can dwell in us and we can be adopted as God's children. For example, you, you have to keep in mind how God was with Israel up until this point. God's presence was particularly only able to be accessed in the temple structures. In the old temple, only certain cleansed priests were now able to go into the Holy of Holies, into the nearest presence of God. But now, through baptism, we are made human-shaped temples. We are made the household of God. The Holy Family is the first of this new temple of God. Mary herself bears God in her center, in her womb, right? This is why she's called the Theotokos, the God-bearer. She gives birth to Jesus, the Son of God, the Word of God. And she carries him in her womb. And Joseph, just like his forefather David, helps secure and provide for the temple. So David desires to build the temple, but he is told he's not able to because he has blood on his hands. And so Joseph who is still in the lineage of Adam, also has the stain of original sin on his hands. This is why Mary has to give birth to a son conceived of the Holy Ghost, not conceived of Joseph. A new heavenly father for the new humanity. And so Joseph, like his his forefather David, provides, guards, and oversees the new temple that's being built in the new humanity of Jesus. He assembles the materials and the land for Solomon. Similarly, Joseph will make the temple that he must watch over Mary, right? When he brings her to Egypt. Or he's even a carpenter, right? A constructor. He builds things. The Holy Family, as led by Joseph, becomes a paradigm to understand the goodness of what God has created, the order that he has established, and the redemption that the Son of God brings. First, we see the goodness of familial life. The mundane, anonymous young couple is actually a fit vessel for the center of God's redemptive work. While we do see the virtue of Mary and Joseph, their virtue is not solely of their own effort, as we've seen before. Their examples are the signposts of how God will prepare his people. So God will use habituated faithfulness to prepare his people for him to dwell with them richly, even the weak and the lowly, right? This is why the Beatitudes are spoken. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. That the humility, the emptying out, the lowliness, which you're willing to embrace your humility as a human being, is right when you're most qualified to delight in the glory of God. When you have decreased your perception of your own glory and increased your understanding of God's goodness. And this is where we find Mary and Joseph. This is why the Holy Family is such a 
um, significant paradigm in the church. That their faith, hope, and love for God was habituated by the Lord. Right? Their faith, hope, and love was not just vague. Right? It wasn't just words they put up on their wall as decor. Faith, hope, and love were the very mechanism by which they lived. That they were expecting God to keep his promises for a Messiah. They were expecting God to be trustworthy. They knew that God's word was true. And that he, kept, he was a God that kept his promises. That's faith, hope, and love. And so that habituated uh, virtue given by God prepared them to be this new temple for the, for the word of God to dwell in. And we see their humility in things like Mary being willing to be a fool for the sake of bearing God's own son, or Joseph willing to be scorned by his neighbors for a seemingly scandalous marriage. They are willing to endure, not because they knew St. Matthew would write about them. They didn't say, like, well, we we're playing the long game. We know they're going to make a documentary about us, and we'll be vindicated then. They were willing to endure because they knew in the eyes of God they'd been vindicated. They had no consideration for what the eyes of men would think of them. Their only fear rested in what God would say about them. What did God see when he looked on them? And they were humble before God and considered the Lord to be esteemed over their temporal reputations. They were in harmony with the Spirit. The Spirit of God is often called the humility of God because the Spirit glorifies the Son and the Son glorifies the Father. So to be in harmony with the Spirit is to be somebody that desires the glory of the Son and the Father above ourselves. That's what it means to sing the songs that the Spirit would sing. Maturing from that, we see how fully faceted the redemption of Jesus is, starting with the Holy Family. Jesus vindicates the reputations of Mary and Joseph. Whereas because they sought first the kingdom of God, all these other things were added to them. So this young woman and man who would have been shamed and scorned by the unfaithful in their time are now revered throughout the world for the last 2,000 years. Faithful Christians have revered them and been like, what an example, what a blessing that they were able to receive the word of God in flesh and raise him. What an astounding thing that happened. They are heralded by the church as these benchmarks of faithfulness rather than scandalous fornicators and liars. Jesus doesn't just sanctify earthly family structures. He demonstrates that they are shadows of the eternal household. All earthly households are mere imitations of the everlasting family of Christ and his church. The word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and by the Holy Spirit we are granted new natures so that we may share in his life, so that we are adopted, as Galatians tells us. And by adoption we become heirs, because the ultimate household, the everlasting household, the household that will surpass all other households, is the one we're participating in right now. The life of God's people. We who were once prostitutes and thieves, liars, drunkards, and fools are grafted into the church. And by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, we are washed and made new creatures and given the gifts of God to no longer be drunkards, thieves, prostitutes, liars, but to become chaste, wise, temperate, honest inheritors of heavenly life. You are made a new creation. Because Jesus took on 
humanity for us. And you participate in that humanity. And you grow in your faithfulness to that humanity through things like hearing the word, faithfully receiving it, practicing obedience to the word of God, coming to the table and tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, being, part, being bonded to the word of God through eating and drinking his body and blood. These blessings are fully tasted and embraced as we grow in harmony with the Holy Spirit. The more we embody the habits of the Holy Family, the more we participate in the life of Christ, and the greater our understanding of Jesus as Lord will be. The more we strive, the more we wrestle, is the more we will see our need for him. Just as Joseph and Mary were helpless without the explicit presence of the Holy Spirit granting them wisdom in life. Joseph is beside himself. He's got to figure out what to do with this woman that's apparently cheated on him. Without the Holy Spirit as guide, coming to their humble souls to give them direction and wisdom, they would be lost. Just as we are hopeless without the incarnation making us new day by day, without having in 0 AD a new kind of human being made that we can now be adopted into. Because the old human beings just die. They die and they fail and they hate God. That's all they can do. We needed a new human being. We needed a new brother to lift us up to know our Father. We grow in this harmony through regular prayer, reflection on the Holy Scriptures, practicing obedience to the Word of God. By the blessing of Emmanuel, God with us, we participate in the divine nature. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll collect our tithes and offerings, and after uh, the offerings collected, we'll sing the glory of Pottery after we collect the offering. is a God who hears and answers prayer. Let us bring our petitions and thanksgiving to him in Christ's name. 
for the peace of the world, for the welfare of the Holy Church of God, for the unity of all people, especially the Church in Maine. Lord, in your mercy, for our president, our governor, for the leaders of the state of Maine, the nation, for all in authority, let us pray to the Lord. Pray for our service men and women, and uh, also my wife, who is from a broken shoulder. Lord, in your mercy. For the good earth which God has given us, for the wisdom and will to conserve it, for food and shelter, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, for the aged and infirm, for the widowed and orphans, for the sick and the suffering, for those who are lonely, for those in bondage to addiction, for all who are confused and lost, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, for the poor and the oppressed, for the unemployed and the destitute, for prisoners and captives, especially for persecuted Christians living in fear or threat of danger, for all who remember and care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, in your mercy, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. It is our right, our duty, and our joy always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Holy, 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 Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And when we had sinned against you and become subject to evil and death, you, in your mercy, sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. By the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, he became flesh and dwelt among us. In obedience to your will, he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once for all, that by his suffering and death we might be saved. By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. As our great high priest, he ascended to your right hand in glory that we might come with confidence before the throne of grace. On the night when he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after the supper, Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. 
Therefore, we proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ has risen, and Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, and we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your word and Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with him, that he may dwell in us and we in him in the fullness of time. Put all things in subjection under your Christ and bring us with all your saints into the joy of your heavenly kingdom where we shall see our Lord face to face. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed once for all upon the cross. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Let us pray. We do not presume to come to this your table, O merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your abundant and great mercies. We are not so worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose character is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. The bread that we break is a not a participation in the body of Christ, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was given for you, preserving for everlasting life. Take and eat.
cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation in the blood of Christ. The blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, which was shed for you, preserve your body and soul to everlasting life. Drink this in remembrance that Christ's blood was shed for you. And be thankful. <clears throat> Drink. The outside is juice and the inside is wine. <clears throat> Stand and sing number 213, What Child Is This? Number 213, What Child Is This? Christ the King who 
disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you and lift his countenance up to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here be Praise Father, Son, and Holy 